Alright, let's do this. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about film editing. We take a look at a scene, and an iconic scene like today, see if we can learn something, apply it to our own work, and maybe it could be helpful to you as well. With me today, as always, is Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing? Good. I always wait for eight episodes now for you to actually introduce yourself. And I, I don't know why I keep thinking you're going to listen to one and figure it out, but <laughs> we'll get it next week. Let's not let's not fix it now. We got to just keep no backing out. Yeah, I'm not going to um, do it. I was asked an important question by you, which is how are you doing, which feeds right into something we want to talk about, which is I was really sick last week, still have the stuffy nose this week on top of being incredibly busy. So that's always nice. And we had that amazing screen recording piece made for us by Dennis, and I can't help but feel like I ruined it just because of my nasal congestion. And I'm definitely not, wasn't able to fix it for this week. So I apologize to the listeners. Yeah, you sound fine to me. But let's talk about Dennis. Dennis did something really amazing. And I really like when somebody has an idea, does it and follows through. And Dennis emailed us last week. He basically said, hey, I have an idea in terms of make it more understandable when you're analyzing those scenes. Just give me a screen recording of whatever you're analyzing and I'll I'll try and sync it up. I'll cut something together with the actual recording or part of it. And he did and he sent it over and we put it on Patreon and people seem to really enjoy this. Thank you so much. We do really appreciate it that somebody is doing things on their own and creating something that's beneficial to everybody. And he went a lot further than just the clip. Dennis also found the entire film on Netflix and used stuff that we weren't even using to enhance it. So it's actually a great improvement. It actually made me understand the clip even better by hearing us and seeing it as opposed to talking and seeing it. True. You helped us all, Dennis. Then we also have Larry on Patreon is also interested in taking a shot at messing with the music that was used in Peter Rabbit in last week's episode to see if he can improve on it. And I really look forward to that. Sounds like he has a good approach that I want to see. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even see that. Very cool. So, Sven, I want to ask you about something that you posted. Yes. So you're, you're going to be talking about editing uh, thrillers, editing the thriller genre, and you're doing it with the film Searching. Who are you doing that with? That's right. I got contacted by uh, somebody from the production, and she said, hey, we want to invite you to the screening of the film. That was a couple of weeks ago when the film premiered. And would you like to interview the editors? And I'm like, yes, but you should look at my channel. And what I really like to do is look sort of over their shoulder as they're cutting. Would you be open to the idea that I just come over and they open up the project for me on their Avid or whatever they're cutting on? And then we go through some scenes. And she was... So excited when she realized that that's sort of the format. And apparently they're really excited about being on This Guy Edits. And we're going to talk about Thriller. We're going to talk about all the visuals. I've seen the trailer so far. It looks amazing. It seems like the story is told just through screen recordings. And I'm going to see the mm -hmm. film tonight in the theaters. Oh, well, yeah. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Not only is it a studio film, which is like taking it to a new level for the channel. It also won the Sundance Audience Award. And it has a 93% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So that must be a really good film. All right. Well, very cool. Now, speaking of exciting films, do you want to talk about this week's exciting film? 
Yes. That we're going to be talking about? Yes. I hinted last week. It's a surprise, and I wasn't told. It was supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, but uh, the listeners already know because it's going to be in the title of the podcast. I know. I was thinking about that. <laughs> you hyped it as a surprise last week, and then we kind of just slowly realized throughout the week. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with Prince of Tides where it's one of those movies you hear about all the time, but it somehow evaded me. So I have very little knowledge of anything about it except that there might be a therapist in it somewhere. That's And I know a lot about movies. And it's one of those weird ones that you always hear about, but somehow has evaded me. So it's kind of like this weird dark spot in my movie knowledge. you got to see it. I know. It is in my top three of my favorite films of all times. Wow. It is my favorite dramatic film in terms of the characters and the story there's nothing like it for me i think it's it's really a great film and okay i was going to show i've i looked around i was going to show the scene there is a traumatic event that happens to the main character i'm not going to reveal what it is here because if you haven't seen the film don't let anybody spoil it for you just experience it and that scene is actually online and it would have been a really awkward conversation for us to have to go through that it's so traumatic you think 12 years a slave was hard to talk about this is a whole different level wow. instead i was gonna do a pretty normal scene it's the scene that's called dead gets dog food and what i really like about mm -hmm. it is because it really signifies how they are dealing with flashbacks most of the actual story is being told in flashbacks and that can be really hard for the audience to go through you're never really there it feels like you're always like jumping back in time and then you're in the present again and this back and forth where it pulls you out mm -hmm. of the movie but i think they did it perfectly it didn't hurt them at all the film was nominated for several academy awards and I want to say that Barbara Streisand won for directing. She directed this one. Definitely nominated. Huh. It stars Nick Nolte and Barbara Streisand. It's a 1991 American romantic drama film based on the novel of the same name by Pat Conroy. It's a story of the narrator's struggle to overcome the psychological damage inflicted by his dysfunctional childhood in South Carolina. The film was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, but lost the award to Silence of the Lambs. And I have to say, Nick Nolte's performance, he's the main character in it, is just just great. He plays like a, a football coach from South Carolina, the way he talks, the accent, and then he finds himself in New York City with a shrink, which is played by Barbara Streisand, and he did an amazing job. I'm just going to watch the movie now. I changed my mind. I want to see it before we do this okay let's, let's come back to it then uh, tomorrow yeah no let's let's go from the top <laughs> <laughs> so i picked this scene because i thought it might be a nice way to talk about flashbacks so because the main character is from south carolina and his dad was a fisherman he has this relationship with food especially seafood and he picked up some shrimps from the farmer's market in new york as he's preparing the food he's remembering the times at home and that's sort of where the scene picks up i'm excited to see it um what time code are we at on the clip we're just going to start at the beginning at zero zero okay. the way we do it is we actually have a link of the youtube clip so somebody uploaded this on the internet it's publicly available we're going to play the clip and you can watch along or if you're on a run or on a commute and you don't have access to the actual footage, that's fine too. The way we describe it and so on, hopefully it's going to work for you as well. 
you let us know. So I thought since you haven't seen the film, how about you describe what's going on and then we'll talk about oh, God. it in more oh, detail. Lord. I think this is, the, the, I love that's the same reason that I did the last one because I had seen it. <laughs> I was just thinking, so okay. <laughs> Tyler, since you haven't seen the film, I'm going to walk you through it, but feel free to jump in. In three, okay. two. So we're at the farmer's market. He's picking up some shrimps and we're cutting straight to him in the kitchen. And this is the first time where we hear the flashback. Shrimp newbird. But Christ's sake, Lala, it's got wine in it. It's elegant food, Henry. And it's going to get me into the Carleton League. And his dad is refusing this new cuisine that mom is trying. She wants to be with the fine people. Mama said it won't you. Of course they want me. They just don't know it you. You see, even the dog won't eat it. Dad, who's like this rebunctious, abusive dude, is not happy. I think it's good. Who asked you? Nobody. This is where we meet young Tom. We realize he's kind of like a sensitive boy. He starts crying when... What did I tell you about crying in this house? Dad is messing with him. Sit up straight. Come on, sit up straight. You're going to cry now. This is his sister and they're twins. And the reason why he is in New York is actually because of his sister who tried to commit suicide. And he's now trying to help the shrink figure out what happened. Ah, and I'm in. We're still in the flashback. And this is Luke. He's the big brother. And he's the only one that can stand up to dad. And this is intercut with present time Tom smashing the knife on the garlic and we're back in it into the flashback and so mom nice. decides she's gonna do just regular cooking put some onions on the pan and then puts a portion of dog food with it because she has nothing else in the kitchen because she spent all her money on the fine cuisine that cut with present time tom your mouth is hanging open child nice and spicy nice and I like this back and forth here quite a bit. She serves the food. As he's saying, I want some American decent food. Now this is food, Lila. And the dog's all jealous. <laughs> and then we're back wow. in the shrink office. I was going to say, so we're now out of the kitchen in present time and we jump the story into the shrink office where we find out that Tom just told that whole memory to Barbara Streisand, the shrink, to help figure out what's wrong with, with his sister. When I first watched it, I made that mistake and I only just realized it watching it, but I watched it by, I guess I clicked on it in the Messenger app to bring it up in YouTube from where you sent it to me. So it was playing in both places. So there was an overlap of the entire scene, a sound overlap going on, okay. but it fit in this really weird, surreal way where it seemed like kind of just like an out of context, weird dream or memory that he was being like haunted by. So I had a very different, <laughs> but it worked in a weird way. And I was like, whoa, Sven's really going for it this week. How's he going to dissect this? But now actually seeing the scene, yeah, I think it's, I understand what you're going to talk about. Like that time jumping is really cool. And this example of kind of merging past and present where you actually end up at one point, I didn't distinguish that the shrimp was in the present. I thought that that was something the mom was doing on the side. I guess I didn't really follow the scene because of the overlap. Right. Um, but I do still kind of lose sense of what's 
past and what's present. And I don't necessarily know that that is not the intention to kind of have that blending happen as the tension rises and then to leap out of it to Streisand and yep. in the therapist office and get to relax. That's perfect. That's exactly what's going on. I'd like to point out a couple of things. Usually the shots in New York, the present, is a little bit on the blue side. But when he's in the kitchen, it warms up quite a bit. We're more on the orange side of it. As he's like taking his shirt off and the heat is coming through, it takes us into the past. It takes us to where are we, South Carolina, where this is all taking place. Cinematography is also playing a part here as well as the parallel action in terms of the editing. So you have the sound come in before we cut into the flashback. That sort of leads mm -hmm. us down that path. And then once we're in the past, it's visually quite warm, more orange, and then just a little teal in the wardrobe. And that's sort of the, that right. balance between teal and orange. I don't know, Tyler, you probably know about this, that that's a very pleasing combination in terms of two colors that complement each other. And Is this a, a jab at me for being from Colorado with the Broncos? No, I don't the know. Do they have that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't know. But like a lot of high, high concept action hero movies, Terminator, Batman, they play with these colors quite a bit, and then usually it's very heavy on the blue with these islands of orange in there. Mm -hmm. And here it's a bit the opposite. It's like majority orange and then a little teal here and there in the wardrobe or in the window, that kind of stuff. Yeah, hearing you say that, I have the my immediate reaction is both are very warm, both scenes are very warm, but the flashback is absolutely boiling with that teal orange tint. And he's the only thing in the scenes of him cooking in the present that's teal and orange. So it's almost like he's this radiated figure just carrying around these memories of what he's remembering of this very um, orange experience. That's I don't know good. If that kind of meshes. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, for the most part, he is the orange dude in a blue environment. But in that one shot where we transition into the flashback, clearly the wall blends with him like he's already there mm. is what that tells me and gotcha. him what taking off the shirt this is at like 16 16 seconds mm -hmm. it just feels like now we are not in new york anymore he's already gone right not only is he cooking food he's physically on fire yeah and and emotionally and this whole scene basically shows the dynamics between that family so there's all these different bonds relationship between dad and our main character, Tom, relationship between the older brother, relationship between Savannah and Tom, the two twins, that they are sort of really close friends and, and they're like these, these children, innocent children that are just stuck in this dysfunctional relationship and don't know what to do. They're helpless. And mom doesn't quite pay attention because she's up in her own world. Like I said, she wants to be with the rich people and she doesn't really understand mm -hmm. what's going on. And Luke is the only right. one that stands up to dad. And it's really nice set up and it's not the one scene that defines this whole relationship, but it's a reoccurring theme throughout. We've seen several flashbacks up to this point where we understand who everybody is and it's important to know so that we're ready for what's coming. Yeah, it's very cool. I think it's a really fascinating use of flashback that's also very subtle. 
you know, it doesn't seem like a standout jump out scene, but yeah, just and playing with that idea of imagery and memories and just kind of living, reliving this stuff while going through therapy, it, that time jump is a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, this was in the early 90s, so almost 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago. And nowadays, like when I'm cutting flashbacks, I'm moving actually much faster, I would say. I really use flashbacks as thoughts. So I don't linger that much. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like a scene in itself. It's more like it's these quick moments, these quick flashes of a memory. Like I cut a film a couple of years ago called The End of Love. And the main character has some flashes of his wife that died in a car accident. And they're really just like these fractions of a second. At least that's what it feels like that are coming to him. And it immediately like it just jars him and just hits him. And it's very powerful, very effective. It's an incredibly powerful tool to have as an editor. And it leads me to ask you the important question we always get to, which is how much of the design of this scene, Sven, do you think happened in editing versus in the writing stage? I mean, there's always versions of this thing where... You know, they they wrote a movie that was completely different. There were no flashbacks, had a mess on their hands and then saved it, which I really doubt's the case. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is that it's incredibly detailed, like, say, the recent split screen scene in one of the latest episodes of Better Call Saul, where you know that's all meticulously detailed in the the writing process, although it's a very camera technique heavy, editing technique heavy execution. Where do you think this falls in that spectrum? I think I've read the screenplay, so I know that these flashbacks are written into the script at those moments. Right. I don't know if it's in the book. I assume it's very similar in the book. What I think is you have this implied or you have this this idea brought up in the writing, and then when you actually shooting the scenes and you're cutting it in the editing you play with it and it could be that you expand upon it like you cut back and forth way more or you pull back on it just once you've defined the film in the editing you really try to figure out how much flashbacks can you handle before the audience is going to lose it or how much do they need to be fully engaged and i remember that um when I did the video on Dunkirk, I saw a couple of interviews with Christopher Nolan and uh, Lee Smith, mm-hmm. the editor, and they spoke about how they cut like 10 different versions of how much they go back and forth to, and it's not flashbacks, this is a parallel action, to figure out when is it too much for the audience. And they really cut a version and then they screened it and just felt it and then went back, tried a different approach and screened it again and then at some point it's not a real test screenings and where it's like filling out forms and having a discussion afterwards they just sat with a small group of people that hadn't seen the film to figure out Mm -hmm. what works what doesn't so i'm pretty sure the way it's happened is they planned this and then in the editing they refined it to the point where maybe they added it to other scenes or they went much bigger Mm. than they originally intended all that stuff you really only can fully execute in the editing Yes, that's exactly right. And there's you find all these opportunities, things you didn't imagine, like, oh, we can just cut quickly to the shrimp here. Maybe they're planning to escalate it in a different way. So I, I feel like as an editor, this is kind of a goldmine of a scene. And yet it's a fairly restrained, considering how crazy they could have gone with it, it's a very restrained, effective version of that where the flashbacks don't feel invasive or showy. It just It just feels right. Yeah, exactly. Let's look at some details to really show that it's not just... Oh arbitrary back and forth between these scenes 
So for example, there's a lot of intercutting between the frying pans from the present time and the past as she's preparing the food and she's like he's scooping up the shrimps and she does the same thing with the onions um, uh, what time could let's go to Four. 120 we're fighting we're cutting to the kitchen so he's chopping up garlic and then little tom is cutting onions so it's similar action right there and then somebody's scooping up the onions i'm not sure whose hands that those are yet It's probably hers, and then we cut back to the dog food being wow. put into the pan. Right. Yeah. And then as... Oh, this is great. So, and then on 149.48, little Tom is putting pepper or spices on top of the onions in the frying pan. And we intercut that as present time Tom right. is putting salt on top of the shrimp. is a good, plain American meal. So these little things, this parallel action creates meaning. It's like... Yeah. We're making a connection between the present and the past. And that's beautiful. Yeah, and they're literally continuing each other's actions also, which is really fun. And that helps to not pull us out of a scene. It's a continuous narrative arc. That's funny. And it's a funny beat with the dog. That's a, always a good way to, to, to break the tension of that. Yeah, that's sort of the tag. And no, he's not going to go berserk and start killing everyone. And I love the fact that <coughs> when the scene ends, we don't cut back to Tom in his home eating the food, which would be kind of a fizzle of the scene. No, I'm sure they shot that, but they decided we're just going to propel the scene forward by cutting now to the office as he's finishing that story that he just remembered and now shares with her. This is probably a story that he hadn't really thought about in many, many years. It's now coming up because he has to deal with this. And it's really just foreshadowing what else he's going to remember. Yeah, it's a very cool scene. <laughs> For me, top three films of all times. If you haven't seen it, highly, highly recommend it. Try not to hear what it's about, what happens. Just let it happen. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to another scene at another time. Sounds good, man. Well, also, I would just say, you know, it's fun to watch these things and go through it, but it's even more effective if you are actually doing stuff. And I know a lot of people that listen to this are working on things, working on projects, so it's cool to kind of take the things we're talking about, discovering, figuring out, speculating on, and incorporate it into your own work. But if you're not working on anything, you're interested in making films... Just go do it. Shoot some stuff. Play around with it. Get your iPhone out and have a little fun because it's so easy to edit nowadays. Why, why stop yourself? You're clearly interested. Go for it. Yeah, I just saw somebody tweet. Oh, by the way, somebody also tweeted the um, timeline of Battle of the Bastards, the avid timeline, how many tracks <laughs> there are. It's insane. So check out my Twitter. It's on there. Uh, okay, so I, got, I retweeted something from Chris Bovee. Never stop editing, even if you're out of a job. Find someone who needs something made and then make it. Always be delivering. Always be humble. It's a muscle memory and a mental memory that will get lost. So fight daily to keep it. I thought that's so appropriate. The fact that you need to be editing every day, if that's your thing, is super, super important. Very cool. So, so if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Stitcher. Let a friend know about it. You have a filmmaker friend. Get them in on the conversation. Send us some clips you want to work on. Throw some comments on Patreon. Thank you to Curter for the music. Thanks to everybody for listening. For sure. We need a movie for next week. <laughs> I saw somebody leave a comment that we should take a look at The Womb, the movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. No. Uh, the Room? The Womb. 
That sounds really interesting. We'll send a clip and <laughs> we'll get into it. And yeah, we we'll, we'll might take a look at that one. Thanks so much and happy editing. Was a little chaotic, but nothing that editing can save, right? <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop recording. Sounds good, man.